You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. How's everyone today? I hope you're doing well. Well, we got our typical winter weather today, but it's awful sunny, and that's nice, and I hope everyone is doing well. We got several guests that'll be on the show, but first of all, I'd like to offer you the opportunity as well. Just call us up and talk Alabama. If you really, really want to, talk about the whining that continues in our state from the, to the south, and that's Florida State. Now they're trying to get their attorney general involved. What a mess. And I understood initially, you know, golly, that's that stinks for Florida State. I had empathy, but... My empathy wanes as this complaining continues. It's just... And you know what it's doing, which is just not right? It's taking some of my personal shine. I like that program. Of course, I started liking it with Bobby Bowden. I like to see that team have success. But this fan base has just gone over the top. And now it's talking about... Oh... Many, many times over what they should be. They didn't get out. That sucks. But you got to move on in life. Um, you know, and the longer you toil in this, the worse you're making it. And, man, has Florida State's image, I think this, has Florida State's image nationally taken a huge hit based on their reaction. So um, we'll see what comes next. Uh, they're throwing everything. I still haven't heard, you know, like a week ago, they said that they were going to boycott the Orange Bowl versus Georgia. I haven't seen a follow-up to that. But they didn't have the news conference that was scheduled for the two head coaches leading up to the Orange Bowl. So, Matt, you know, uh, you know what surprises me about no. this is it's a Florida graduate, the, the attorney general. Could you imagine if, if Auburn was in this case? There's no way an Alabama fan that was in a political position would stand up for them. Is that right? So, well, I haven't had, I, I saw the clip of it, and then things were kind of going crazy here this morning at the old Coulter household. For one, my computer was backing up on me. Finally got it to where it was working, but I didn't read into, the, I didn't get much of the details. Could you explain some of that? By the way, it's good to have you back, Justin. Nice to hear you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I think you pretty much have it. It's just the, the attorney general um, started off, I believe, her statement or her post on social media with uh, that she was a gator for life. So uh, assuming she's a Florida grad and that's supposed to be a big rivalry, supposed to be anyways, Florida and Florida State. Uh, I just I just thought it was funny that a rival, and I think it just reinforces the fact that this is all just for clicks and for, for publicity. And if the situation was flipped, I don't think you'd see an, uh, an Alabama fan going, Auburn needs to be in. I think we'd be laughing and, and rejoicing in the fact. Well, and, you know, Alabama's gotten clipped a little bit, and, yeah, there was a certain amount of complaining, but nothing to the measure of what the Seminoles have done. Of course, I guess in the history of the CFP, nobody's gotten clipped like uh, Florida State have. I mean, that's, I understand, that's got to be awful rough, but there's a time that you need to put that aside and move on with your life. And as I've said yesterday and last week, the best medicine, although nothing will cure this totally, the best medicine is to go beat Georgia. Um, and then again, I'm really, from a football standpoint, I'm not so sure that's going to happen. Unless Georgia just sits out, a, a lot of players decide to sit out. 
Lars, have you had about enough? And here I am continuing it because I'm complaining about their complaining. But I've about had enough about Florida State. Well, I, I think you can understand why they're upset and and uh, because what happened to them is uh, unprecedented. And uh, this is going to continue, I believe, uh, for not just uh, through uh, the end of the college football playoffs, but into the offseason, into next year. And uh, there is going to be this... Uh, this attitude of uh, us against the world and everybody hates us and who knows i mean maybe it can be a uh, motivating force for florida state moving forward um but uh matt i i had i had quite a morning if we can transition i i just gotta i just gotta share uh just a little personal experience uh it was uh just a terrific morning uh, Lincoln, my uh, eight-year-old who's in third grade, he really wanted me to come to uh, his Christmas party that uh, was being held at his uh, grade school. And uh, of course, I'm going to go. And he was just uh, he said, Daddy, you know, bring books because none of my friends believe that you're a writer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, and I so I brought him a bunch of books, and even uh, uh, I I hadn't even realized this, but I, I've dedicated two books to Lincoln and two books to my girls, and so I, I brought him all all of those, and and he was just so proud uh, to go around and and show his friends these books and. And then, uh, you know, the teacher came over and and introduced herself and just uh, said that she was so happy to meet me and wants me to come back and and talk to the class. And of course, uh, I will whenever whenever she wants me to or, you know, any any teacher uh, ever wants. Uh, it's 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 an honor to be asked to talk to young people. And then we kind of went around to these different classrooms and did different activities. We had bingo. We had um, uh, sort of a, a, a picture room. We made an ornament. And the, the, the final uh, activity was reading a, a book. And Lincoln just was insistent that I read. And I was like, you know, I got, I was looking at my watch and I'm like, I, I got, I got a show to do here. <laughs> and Lincoln's like, Daddy, please. And so I read a a Christmas uh, children's book uh, to the class. And and I got to tell you, Matt and Justin, um, I, I've probably done I don't know forty to fifty readings uh, over my career. But this by far and away was uh, the most special um, because as I am reading this children's book to, I don't know, about 15 to 20 uh, um, third graders, you know, I was constantly making eye contact with them as I was reading. And, and Lincoln's eyes just absolutely never deviated from me. And he was just so engaged. And Matt, when we walked out of that room, uh, and he he actually walked me. The teacher let him walk me to the to the front door of the of the school. He just gave me the biggest hug and said, "Daddy, that was so cool. That was so awesome." He said, "I love you so much." And like 
Matt. It, it just took my breath away because uh, he's still at that age where he's not embarrassed by dad, right? He's actually really, really proud of dad. And uh, it really, it, it didn't just make my day, my week, my, my year. I mean, it, it's one of those life experiences I'll just never forget. Well, I'm um, glad you were able to experience that. That's obvious it meant something to you. More so to Lincoln, because he'll remember that when he's our age. Do you remember anything that you experienced like that when your kids were little and you were doing uh, television and like you'd take them to the studio and they'd see you or anything similar? Um, Dad, I, I have a, a similar one that uh, took place this time of year that I'll share with you later in the program. How about that for the longest tease ever? But Mike Rodak from Bama 24-7 is going to be with us on the other side of the break. And uh, we'll remind you that this show is being presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny this afternoon, the high today around 60, fair tonight below 39. Tomorrow and Friday, partly to mostly sunny both days, highs between 58 and 61. And for Saturday, increasingly cloudy with a high at 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 59 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Much of our programming is brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker, Advantage Realty Group. Appreciate her sponsorship. So, Lars, it's Matt. Noah's at the controls. And joining us now from Bama 24-7 is Mike Rodak. Mike, do you get just a couple of days here now that it's uh, between Alabama, Georgia, and the upcoming Rose Bowl to maybe get out and do some Christmas shopping, spend some time with your family. I hope people understand that being a beat writer for a team as large and a program as nationally known as the University of Alabama, man, that's a grind. Are you off the throttle just a little bit? A little bit. I mean, it's truly, I don't think you ever uh, really get away until <laughs> after basketball season, um, probably in April. And now, well, I guess April you have spring practice and the spring game. And then, Sometimes they're covering softball and baseball. So, yeah, I mean, it's not really until the summer that you truly get off. But, yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit slower for a week or two. I mean, players are away. A lot of them are home right now, and then they'll be coming back in a couple days here, and their their first practice for the uh, the bowl game is Saturday. And then they continue on next week, and you know, before we know it, we're going to be in Pasadena. So it goes pretty quickly. It's always a busy time of year, you know, with the transfer portal and um, coaching changes, which really haven't. You know, affected Alabama too much yet, but across college football, certainly. Um, you know, signing days next week, uh, early signing day, which has basically become regular signing day uh, next Wednesday. So there's still a lot to talk about, you know, a lot to do. Um, basketball, obviously, is, is in full swing. They got some big games. So um, maybe a little bit, but not too much. Uh, it's still pretty busy. Anything about the transfer portal, uh, just not just with Alabama, but in the entirety of the SEC, uh, surprise you uh, with what's happened so far? Um, nothing terribly surprising. I mean, I feel like there's been less 
quarterback movement so far than, you know, maybe last year, you know, Spencer Rattler and um, I think Jackson Dark on Ole Miss. There's, it seemed like there's more quarterback movement last year than there has been so far this year. Um, and those are always going to be the big names that people watch out. But, I mean, um, Trevor Etienne, the running back from Florida, potentially going to Georgia, I think would be a big story. And then, um, you know, Alabama is involved, too. That's something that even within the last few minutes here just came out that, um, you know, they're going to host uh, Texas A&M's Fidel Diggs, uh, an edge rusher, um, a, a senior. You know, he's, he's played four years for A&M. They're going to host him on, on a visit on Friday. You know, he went into the portal after, um, you know, after an A&M season was over. And I would also expect Alabama to be involved to some extent on um, Tyler Barron, uh, the Tennessee edge rusher. Um, so, you know, SEC to SEC crime, if you will, or, you know, transfer portal, um, trying to get somebody from a, a rival school. Uh, but that's that's what happens this time of year. So it, it does seem that so far for Alabama, uh, one of the main positions that they're going to target is, is going to be outside linebacker edge rusher. When you think that they're going to lose Dallas Turner to the draft, they're going to lose Chris Braswell to the draft. Um, you know, they did bring in a couple five-star kids last year and Keon Keeley and Dante Pierre, but those guys were, didn't really play this year. They're fourth team. They didn't travel to some of the SEC games. I don't think you can just pencil them in as starters next year, which is why, uh, you see them going after some, some veteran, um, pass rushers that are, you know, essentially free agents this time of year. Guy decides, I guess he would have done it a little over a week ago that he wants to enter the transfer portal. Then all colleges, it's, it's all game one. They can approach. Uh, can they approach with gift in hand? Here, if you come here, I've got half a million dollars in NIL money. In the letter of the law, no. Uh, the NCAA still prohibits pay for play, you know, where explicitly it's tied to your attendance at a particular school. But everybody knows that still happens in um, – in, in practice, essentially, you know, it's not going to be written uh, in any of these NIL contracts, but it, it's just kind of how the business works. And, you know, obviously there's certain prices on players. And I mean, a lot of these guys have agents. It's it's pretty much like professional football where you have an NIL agent and that guy's making calls to certain schools. And quite frankly, a lot of these guys probably have an idea of what's out there before they even go into the portal. Um, and then, you know, you go into the portal and officially those teams can co- contact you. But, I mean, they're certainly a it, – it's like a contract. Um, you know, your NIL dollars, what would you receive if you come to a certain school? Um, can it explicitly be tied to your attendance? No, but does that happen? Um, again, in, in practice, yes, it absolutely does. And that's – I think, you know, the quote from uh, Matt Rule, you know, the Nebraska coach a couple weeks ago, where we're saying, you know, some quarterbacks are – you know, multi-million dollar quarterbacks, five, six million dollars. Um, you know, obviously every player is not going to be in that category. And a lot of players are probably more in the hundreds of thousands. Uh, but when you're talking about trying to bring in like a premier pass rusher, you're you're talking definitely six figures and, and maybe even seven figures. Hey, tell everybody where people can tune you in. On uh, Bama247.com and on uh, X uh, at Mike Rodak. Hey, Mike, um, have you had a chance to really uh, dig into Michigan and uh, just uh, what kind of matchup this is going to be for Alabama? Is it uh, favorable, unfavorable? 
Uh, is it, uh, you know, or we could even start with uh, how you think the Alabama offense is going to attack this Michigan defense? Yeah, you know, it's a good question as far as, um, you know, the offense versus defense aspect for Alabama. I think, you know, it's a very good Michigan defense, first of all. I think Alabama just has to keep doing what it's been doing, which has been taking care of the ball, first and foremost. I think that's kind of flown under the radar, but it's worth really putting out there. They have the offense itself has one turnover uh, since that halftime of the Tennessee game, which was October 21st, I think. So the last five, six games, they turned the ball over once. And that was the Jalen Murrow interception at Kentucky. And then three plays later, Tara and Arnold picked it off and they got the ball right back. So they've been protecting the ball absurdly well, um, both Murrow and, you know, the receivers and running backs. So that's the first thing I think you have to do against a good defense. But, you know, I think it's it's still running the ball effectively, whether that's Jason McClellan when he's back, Roydo Williams, like we saw against Georgia, Jalen Milrow. It has to be a combination of that. I think it's it's going to be a little bit of a, a slower-paced game in the sense that I don't think either team is going to be going up, you know, up and down the field on each other and scoring. I think it's going to be fewer possessions. Uh, so, again, protecting the ball is important. You're, you're not going to get the ball as often. And uh, controlling the clock, um, you know, getting first downs is, is certainly going to be a big part of it. But, you know, to me, I think the more intriguing matchup is probably the other side um, because Michigan's offense is, is going to just line up and, and try to run the ball down your throat um, with six or seven big bodies out there. And, um, you know, they, Blake Corum is obviously a great running back. And I think over the last few games of the season, they had 15 rushing touchdowns and one passing touchdown, uh, which probably lost J.J. McCarthy any consideration, true consideration for the Heisman, but that's the sort of offense they're going to play. And, uh, you know, Alabama players that I've talked to already have basically said, look, it's going to be a running game and we need to make it into a passing game. They need to stop the run on first and second down, put the ball in McCarthy's hands on third down. Um, and this is an Alabama defense that I think has been a little bit spotty against the run. I think overall they've been pretty good. Um, yeah, Tennessee, they stopped, which was a really good running game. Kentucky, they stopped. And Kentucky is probably the best comparison to Michigan in terms of style that they played. Um, but then again, you also had the Auburn game, which they did not look good in run defense. So um, which version of that Alabama defense shows up, I think is, is going to be, it's going to play a major role in, in the result of this game. Mike Rodak is our guest here on Big Noon Sports. From a national perspective, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is winning any you know, popularity contests. And from a national perspective, you know, people uh, have their, you know, saving and, and Alabama fatigue. So when these two face off uh, with the fans not in Michigan or Alabama, do they look at this as two Darth Vaders <laughs> playing? Or uh, because of the Harbaugh deal and the uh, sign stealing, does, does Alabama have a little national attention and uh, more people want to see them beat Michigan? That's a good question. It's probably like a Duke-North Carolina game where it's two blue bloods. And, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, back when he was coaching, a lot of people that love Coach K, but a lot of people didn't really like North Carolina either. And, um, you know, both were two great schools. They're both two great teams. Obviously, it's the same case here. So, um, I don't know. I, I think there's been a lot of uh, momentum in terms of people – you know, thinking Alabama is a much better team. Um, and at first I thought it was a little bit overblown, you know, coming out of the LSU game, coming out of the Kentucky game. I think people were super excited about this Alabama team. And I was still thinking like, all right, they still got to get through the iron bowl. They still got to get through Georgia. 
Like I, you know, I was saying, pump the brakes a little bit. Now they've done that, granted by the skin of their teeth against Auburn. I think the excitement is certainly warranted, and I think it's fair to say they could be the favorite to win a national title. I know the betting odds slightly favor Michigan right now, uh, but Alabama's very closely number two. So there's a lot of people out there that are kind of jumping back on the Alabama bandwagon. So there might be some excitement nationally for that. But um, look, I think in either case, whether it's Michigan or um, Alabama, I think if whatever team's going to the national title game in Houston, there's going to be a lot of fan national sentiment for the other side, especially if it's Washington and Michael Penix and people kind of love the underdog story. I think people are going to be rooting for that side or even Texas kind of getting back. Is Texas back? Is is East Sarkeesian going to beat Saban again? Like, I don't, I don't know how people will fall on this one, but I, I certainly know whoever's in the national title game is not going to get a ton of uh, national love uh, playing against whoever they play against. Mike, I know you do a lot of uh, radio interviews and just a, a lot of interviews in general because uh, you're pretty dang good at it, at doing this. What, what's the most common question you're getting? Uh, and uh, I'd be curious, has any, any uh, journalists, uh, reporters, uh, radio guys, radio women uh, called you from the Michigan area and just wanted your uh, sort of analysis? Not yet, um, as far as that goes. I mean, sometimes you'll get some, some outside-the-market type calls during the season a few games i have not gotten one yet for michigan but i would assume you know that last week before the game i probably will but um i don't know i I don't know if there's been one common question i think a lot of people are certainly asking about michigan and kind of how alabama is faring that way and, and what they're looking at but um it's also one of those things where i think once we get into next week and we talk to nick saban twice next week we start talking to players they're back at practice i think uh things will kind of get back in the full swing and we'll have a better perspective on how, on how they view and, Michigan. And one quick follow-up. How do you think J.J. McCarthy would do if he played in the SEC? I mean, this is a <laughs> tough question, right? Because this is a, a the ultimate hypothetical because we don't know. But uh, just your your thoughts. It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't watched enough of him to really get a great feel for him, but it's a double-edged sword in that I think, obviously, he going up against better defenses or at least you know i think there's obviously better talent in the sec but there's also better talented wide receivers like give him a a malik neighbors or xavier worthy if you're looking at texas in the sec like i think he could do really well you know with a receiver like that so um i don't know it's it's one of those that's it's tough to say but mccarthy does seem to have some decent momentum for the nfl draft or i've seen some projections with him in the top 10 uh, so we'll have to see kind of how that shakes out. Obviously, this game's going to go a long way to determining how he can play against guys that will be going to the NFL next year, of which there will be many on the Alabama defense. Can you hang through the break with you, Mike? With us, Mike? You got it. Mm-hmm. All right. With Bama 24-7, Mike Rodak, our guest, will continue after this brief message. to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Back with Lars, Matt, Noah, and our guest from Bama 24-7 is Mike Rodak. 
Mike, uh, the Ryan Williams kind of backing up, you know, his signature here, his uh, desire to play at Alabama is going to be available this spring now. He's a part of the 2024 class. Uh, what does that do to the class? And then I read an earlier article, a national article, that said Saban was out in front again for 2025. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Williams is, um, you know, certainly, you know, it's one of the better receiver prospects in 2025 when he first committed. And then, you know, he moves up, decides, you know, to, uh, reclassified to 2024. So he will join um, Alabama. I'm just double checking this as I say that he's, I don't think he's enrolling early. Yeah. So he's not enrolling until next summer. Um, oh, okay. With probably some things to finish there. So, um, he won't be here for the spring or even, you know, bowl practice. And there's a number of guys. I'm looking one of oh, 12, 15 guys that are coming here this week and will be part of bowl practice, uh, freshmen who are signing next week. But he will not be part of that. So uh, he will join the team in the summer. He'll, you know, it, it's always tough, I think, for a freshman receiver in Alabama and Nick Saban's system to get on the field right away and start. So I wouldn't have that sort of expectation of him. Um, but probably the most talented receiver they've had here in quite a while. I mean, from a recruiting ranking standpoint, he's even higher than the Devontae Smiths and Jalen Waddle, Jerry Judy's of the world. I mean, probably have to go back to like Julio Jones in terms of guys who are ranked this highly uh, coming to Alabama as a receiver. So that's a big deal. Um, obviously a big deal that he moved up. You don't have to wait for him. Um, but again, I will have to see what is, um, you know, what exactly his role will be next year. Um, but uh, that's 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 kind of the long and short of it with him. Again, I think there's going to be a lot of freshmen that come in. We're going to see their names in, in bowl practice. We're going to see their names in the spring. But uh, ultimately, as we saw this year, really only two freshmen that really played uh, between Caleb Downs and Caden Proctor. So excitement sometimes can you know get carried away there. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, I didn't realize there's only two freshmen, but wow, what an impact those two had, huh? Um, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, it, it's uh, really incredible. Uh, I, I know recruiting isn't uh, your beat, but uh, what, what are you hearing about Julian saying? Uh, I know he is going to be uh, enrolling here shortly. Uh, just the you know the kind of year he had and and what the expectations are for him as a true freshman. Yeah, you know I didn't follow along beat by beat with his his uh, senior season of high school, but you know he's been certainly on the radar as you know one of the best quarterbacks in this class, if not the best, for at least two years now. You know I talked to his trainer a while back who uh, was also Bryce Young's trainer and, you know, basically said those are the two guys that like they're in a category by themselves in terms of the guys that he's worked with. He's worked with a lot of guys, Danny Hernandez. Um, so, you know, a different quarterback than Bryce Young. I think he's a little bit bigger uh, as you know, many are, um, but you know, six one one ninety five does come from California as a lot of these guys seem to be doing. Um, and, you know, just in terms of, the evaluations of him as a, as a prospect, you know, pure thrower, football IQ is, is high uh, pocket mobility, you know, short area quickness, uh, tight release. So, you know, it has a lot of things they're looking for. Um, you know, we'll be here on Saturday for the start of practice. I'm sure everybody will be looking for their first photo of him in an Alabama uniform, but uh, same sort of thing where, you know, especially with Jalen Milrose development this year and, yeah, I think there's every expectation in the world he's going to be back here next year and be back as the starter. 
we're probably not going to see a whole lot of Julian saying outside of the spring game. Um, maybe we'll see a little bit of him, you know, some of these non-conference games. Um, but, you know, assuming Dylan Lonergan's still here next year, I think we're going to see him uh, before we would see Julian saying on the field. And quick follow-up, uh, do you expect any of the quarterbacks who are currently on the roster to enter the portal after, let's say, uh, Alabama wins a national championship? Do you expect uh, I- I- any of them to uh, look at their options to leave? So, I mean, everybody's going to be watching Ty Simpson. Um, and, you know, I, I've heard things both ways on that. You know, I, I don't think it's a set in stone thing that he leaves, um, even though I think it would make a lot of sense for him at this point. Again, with Milrow establishing himself and Sane coming in and Lonergan impressing, there just doesn't seem to be that opportunity for him. Um, but that doesn't mean he has to leave. Like it, there's nobody can necessarily force him out. Um, and it's up to him. And if he wants to stay and compete as he did back in the spring, he did in the summer, then that's certainly his right. And, you know, he's been good enough, I think in the time that he's played this year, uh, that, you know, if there was an injury to Ju- to, uh, to Jalen Milrow, I think Ty Simpson would be a decent player to have. So, um, I, I want to completely close the book on that, but, I'm sure it's a thing where there was probably some consideration uh, of, of on him on his end. If, even if he's thinking of going to transfer portal after the national championship game or the Rose bowl, whatever the last game is, a lot of teams out there are looking for their quarterback right now. Like, I don't know if those teams can necessarily wait um, if they don't have a solid, you know, word from Ty Simpson, they're going to go out and find a different quarterback. So that's a tough spot for some of these guys where they're trying to win a ring. They're trying to be a good teammate. They're trying to stick around. But at the same time, there's all sorts of quarterbacks in the portal right now. And those quarterbacks are going places. Those roster spots are filling up. And, um, you know, the game of musical chairs is starting to wind down uh, to some extent. So I don't know. That's that's an interesting one. I, I think he's going to be the biggest name everybody's going to be looking for as soon as that, that final whistle blows in Alabama season. Um and it's not just him. I think Eli Holstein, the, the freshman this year, is certainly a candidate uh, to go into the portal as well. But um, nobody knows for sure at this point. Let's wrap it up with a little basketball talk. Um, came out of the gate, scoring 100 per game, I think, for the first three. Uh, but then have lacked some defense here lately. And still looks like Alabama's still trying to kind of find its chemistry. What assess them so far because they really they played Purdue tough last Saturday they lost but it was tough right yeah exactly it's you hope for their for their sake that they are able to carry that over into their next two games you know with Creighton they have to go on the road to Creighton which is the top 10 team on Saturday night and then they have to go to Phoenix to play Arizona on a quote-unquote neutral court uh next Wednesday night and Arizona is the number one team in the country so um you can say like all right you know there was positive progress they made against Purdue. Um, They hung in there tough against the top five team. It was basically a road game in Toronto because that's where all Zach Eadie's family was from and a lot of Purdue fans are up there. I don't know if that necessarily translates into, you know, being able to win these next two games. We'll have to see. Again, the defense is the major issue. Um, The the rim protection, I think, you know, there's some signs of a promise from Muhammad Wagi, you know, who's kind of taken over from Nick, over Nick Pringle as a starter. Um, but overall, they're still missing what they had last year in Charles Bediaco. I think their uh, exterior, their their perimeter defense is a little bit 
worse than it was last year as well. Mark Sears needs to get better uh, in that regard, but he's been terrific offensively. He basically took over the game offensively for Alabama against Purdue. Um, and then that speaks to the other part of it too. Like they, they have the number one most efficient offense in the country and it was all Mark Sears in this last game. And I still wanted to see more out of Grant Nelson. I wanted to see more out of Aaron Estrada, especially he only at five points. Um, and that was one of the things that Nate talked about too, was this is a big game and Mark Sears has played in big games before for Alabama, Grant Nelson and, and Aaron Estrada coming from a lower level of basketball, haven't exactly done that. And I don't really think they stepped up to the plate as much as Sears did in that last game. So we'll have to see if that changes, you know, over these next two, but you know, there's talent on this team. I think they're capable of winning a lot of SEC games, but if they have the 87th ranked defense in the country, this is going to be a, a tough road for them to uh, to follow if they're going to try to get back to, you know, the Sweet 16 again like they did last year. You kind of just answered my question, uh, but what is the identity of this team ultimately going to be? And is Sears going to be the guy that they go to uh, tie game, eight seconds left, Alabama has the ball? Is is uh, You want the ball in Sears' hand? Yeah, I think it, right now it is. I think there's still capability. I think Aaron Estrada is that type of player who did that a lot for Hofstra scored a lot of points for him. Um, and then Grant Nelson is that unicorn at 6'11". You can handle the ball. And, you know, his shooting was the biggest issue for him, which is why he's not in – that's why he didn't stay in the draft. His shooting has still not been great this year. So I don't know if you necessarily want him, you know, chucking up a three with the game on the line. But it could be any one of those three guys. I don't know if it has to be Sears. I think it's healthy and it's good if it's – not just one guy that the opponent has to defend. Cause that, that's what kind of happened last year is I think teams towards the end of the year figured out how to stop Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller was just slowing down a little bit in terms of hitting his shots and the rest of the offense going to pick up the slack. And I don't know if you want the same thing to happen where you're just relying on Mark Sears every game. And, um, you know, you have Estrada and Grant Nelson that aren't being necessarily elite offensively. So they're capable of doing it. I just don't think we saw it out of the, out of them in this last game. Mike, you always just give us fantastic stuff. We appreciate that. Merry Christmas, and uh, we will talk to you again very soon. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. Mike Rodak. Thank you, Mike. Great stuff. Catch up with him at uh, 24-7, Bama 24-7. Uh, his articles appear on a very, very regular basis. Um. All right, when we get back, let's talk some Elvis. And I got a quick Christmas story for you involving children. It was kind of, kind of funny, kind of cool. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build 
build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny this afternoon, the high today around 60. Fair tonight, the low 39. Tomorrow and Friday, partly to mostly sunny both days. Highs between 58 and 61. And for Saturday, increasingly cloudy with a high at 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Uh, of all the Elvis songs, seven this is my favorite. Hey, Elvis, the Elvis concert, the Christmas concert, is going to take place in just a couple of nights. It's a Friday night at Druid City Music Hall. Get your tickets now at druidcitymusichall.com. You can also go through Ticketmaster. And you can also get them at the door, but I would urge you to go ahead and get them in advance for the Elvis Christmas party, Druid City Music Hall at 7 o'clock this Friday night. All right, um, Lars, I want to go through the bowl games here in just a minute or maybe continue on in the next hour. Kerry Clark will be joining us as well. But uh, there are a lot of good bowl matchups. We... We tend to, these days, focus a lot, for obvious reasons, on, you know, the two games they are going to lead to the championship game. But, for one, uh, how great was it, not for Florida State, because they wanted to be playing elsewhere, but how great is, what is the, the Florida State-Georgia matchup is intriguing, I think, more so off the field than it is on, just because um, both of those teams were not in the final four yeah i absolutely uh love it um you gotta wonder how many of the georgia guys are gonna sit out um and uh just because they're obviously not playing for the national championship and and georgia has such a loaded roster um you know you don't want to risk injury at that point so who knows if it'll be a fair fight or not and in the motivation that goes into this i think florida state will be far more motivated than georgia um this to me has the feel of uh alabama utah alabama oklahoma uh i would not be surprised at all if florida state wins this game how about you what do you think about this matchup you know i go back to something that you said initially and that's how many Georgia players are going to come out and protect in order to go to the NFL draft. I know, I hadn't seen a lot. Now, maybe I've missed them, but I think maybe a few of them might hang around uh, to just, you know, win one more for Kirby. Or do they play it really safe? And I can't, can't blame them because uh, you got to think Florida State's coming after them. Although, what about Florida State? You think some of those guys are going to go ahead and say, I'm going to sit out? Or are they all, uh, they fired up and ready to play? Or are they going to play? 
the boycott boycott going to come through? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) good question. Um, I haven't examined their... I think in all good sense, they can't do that, can they? I mean, I don't want to talk about lawsuits. Wow. I I think they want... Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, Florida State really wants to make a statement, but um, there there are so many. You're right. There's so many intriguing uh, games. Um, I'm interested in Miami versus Rutgers in the Pinstripe Bowl, mainly because I love watching college football being played in Yankee Stadium. Don't you think that's pretty cool? Yeah, I do. Um... And they, they do a few events like that. I don't know if it's Yankee Stadium or... At Fenway, do they play a hockey game? Somebody opens it up and plays so. hockey, too, yeah. which I think is, is, is very, very cool. Um, I'm interested in the Gator Bowl, Clemson, uh, Kentucky. Good uh, matchup. I like the Sun Bowl, Notre Dame, Oregon State, uh, Music City Bowl, which I know a lot of people here in the state of Alabama are probably gonna make uh make the journey up to memphis to see auburn play maryland and and maryland led by to his little brother talia um uh, the relia quest bowl lsu wisconsin citrus bowl tennessee iowa and then you got uh, the the new year's bowls uh cotton bowl missouri ohio state that will be interesting that? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll, we'll find out a lot about Missouri in that game. That 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 really intrigues me. And right now, Georgia is a fourteen and a half point favorite over Florida State in the Orange Bowl and uh, Fiesta Bowl. Uh, this has just got blowout written all over it. Oregon versus Liberty. Oregon is a sixteen and a half point favorite. Wow. Uh, Peach Bowl. Penn State. You think Bo will play? Excuse me for interrupting. Uh, you know, I if he doesn't, it might even the playing field. I, I think, uh, you know, Bo Nix is the type of guy who I think he will play. I actually think he will play. I, I If I was his agent, I would advise him not to play. If I was his dad, I'd advise him not to play. But... Um, I, he just strikes me as someone who I think he feels in great debt to Oregon, you know, and to his teammates, to the coaching staff, to the fans because of how his career was absolutely revived out there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays at all. And, um, and then in the Peach Bowl, Penn State, Ole Miss, uh, Penn State, three and a half point favorite. That's a great but, matchup, uh, too. Yeah, I mean there there are there are a lot of really good here's good one matchups as we go to the top of the hour. It's the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. That's a mouthful, but it's the Utes of Utah playing Northwestern. Northwestern made a bowl. Wow. Well, yeah. Holtz might add a little something to do with that. Hey, top of the hour, halftime. We'll be back with the second half of Big Noon Sports in just a moment. Philip. 
securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles, here's Nick Cope. Patriots coach Bill Belichick faced questions about his job status today amid a report that owner Robert Kraft has already decided to move on from him after the season. Belichick was true to form in handling those questions. Do you have an understanding that Robert will not ask you to be back next year? Yeah, get ready for Kansas City. That's what I'm doing. Some bad news for one of the NFL's best defenses. The Browns have placed safety Grant Delpit on injured reserve with a groin injury, but there's a chance he could be back for the playoffs. And ESPN reports defensive end Obo Okoronkwo could miss the rest of the season with a pectoral injury. News out of the NFL owners' meetings in Dallas. Super Bowl 61 in February 2027 has been awarded to SoFi Stadium in L.A. And the league will play an international game next season in Sao Paulo, Brazil. The league is expanding its international slate beginning in 2025 with up to eight games played outside the U.S. More Big Noon Sports coming up. It is Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. She is the miracle, the more, I'll get this right, I promise. She is the mortgage miracle worker. It's a little bit of a tongue tie. But anyway, you need any information in that, just uh, go see Haley. All right, uh, just uh, saw this. I don't think it's going to surprise anyone. Dallas Turner, Sporting News, uh, not just an all-American consensus. That means... Everybody agrees that he is one of the top two edge rushers in the United States of America. Also, I saw this, thought it was very interesting. Lars uh, knows Carson pretty well. He's been signed uh, as a long snapper with the Rams because the Rams long snapper uh, was injured. And sticking with the NFL, as you just heard from our Spot Fox Sports report at the top of the hour, Bill Belichick, in a very Belichick-type fashion, said, I'm getting ready for Kansas City. When asked whether or not he will be back, he was asked if um, Kraft was uh, going to uh, invite him to stay back or not. This was on the or not side. And um, he gave a very typical Bill-like answer. Short to the point, muffled, had his head down. So that's, that's what you get when you... I don't know, Lars, if I would just change my vocation, but... Seems to me like he'd be awful tough to cover. <laughs> I don't think I'm uh, going to apply for that job. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a lot of friends who do cover him day in and day out. And, you know, it's like getting blood from a stone to get him to say anything. And, um, 
you know, uh, Tom Brady's dad once said that uh, the ideal team for Bill Belichick is if everybody is just named Joe. And the one is uh, uh, no player gets any special attention because he absolutely would not give Tom Brady a compliment. And you got to understand, there's an interesting dynamic going on here between Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. Robert Kraft absolutely considered... Um, Tom Brady to be like his fifth son. He's got Robert Kraft has four sons. When his wife Myra uh, died uh, from uh, cancer in 2011, Tom Brady and Giselle uh, lived literally like 200 yards from uh, Kraft's house. And Tom would be over there almost every night with Robert Kraft uh, and he would, Tom would uh, make make sure that you know he would get he would get craft to go out to dinner. Um, he would uh, uh, constantly be texting him, checking on him, and their relationship was incredibly close. Now, Bill Belichick, uh, Tom Brady never once had a lunch never once had a dinner, never had any social interaction with Bill Belichick. Uh, when Tom Brady uh, passed, uh, he got to 50,000 yards uh, in, uh, I think, first quarterback in history to get to 50,000 total passing yards. Um, you know, uh, his, his comment was, well, uh, you know, we're not we're not big into individual accomplishments, but that's quite a thing, you know. And when Tom or when uh, Peyton Manning, uh, I forget what record he broke in his last season with the Broncos. It could have been all time touchdown passes. I mean, the Broncos like stopped the game. <laughs> There was like a, a 10 minute video of the of the, just a, of Peyton's career and you, you half thought that they were going to bring a freaking podium out to the middle of the field and have Peyton deliver a speech. Give him a brand my, new car. Yeah, I mean, right I mean, they couldn't have done more. And and Belichick just, uh, you know, the, 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 the difference is just so striking. And the thing is, Tom, Tom could deal with it. And Tom often has said uh, that I was the perfect foot soldier for Belichick because Belichick, he made it a point. He went out of his way to yell at Brady in front of the team. And Brady would take it because Tom was understanding what Belichick was doing. And Belichick would try to humiliate Tom. Uh, but really what he was doing was sending a message to the other 52 guys on the team that, hey, if Tom Brady can get lit up by me, so can you, and you better get in line, and they did. But you know what? That act wore really thin for Tom, and that is why he left. He left for one reason. He left because of Bill Belichick. All right, so Tom goes, and, and of course, I've, I've written a book about this, and I've, uh, I'm, I'm starting another project, and so I, I have been examining this very closely, I've been talking to a lot of people about it, and uh, there is a anger 
that Kraft has at Belichick because in his mind, and I don't think Kraft is incorrect, it was the, the reason Tom didn't retire as a Patriot and the reason why the Patriots have been so terrible since Tom left was because of Belichick's uh, pride and ego. And, uh, and now the fact that, uh, that Belichick and, and they're, they're three and 10, um, and uh, this game against the Chiefs was originally supposed to be on Monday Night Football, but they flexed it to Sunday because New England is is so bad. Um, I think I think I think Kraft has just had enough, and so uh, so the reports coming out that um, that that uh, he's going to be let go at the end of the season does not surprise me at all. Um, and, uh, and so, and they've already, uh, the Patriots have already been officially eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, and that's the earliest that this storied franchise has been knocked out of contention since 2000, which was Belichick's first season as a head coach. And uh, I, I think he's gone. Now, is Belichick going to force Kraft to fire him or will he go out with some dignity? I think he's going to force him to fire him because that's just kind of who, who Belichick is. And, and there is a different version of Bill Belichick from what we see right at the, the press conferences and just saying i'm getting ready for kansas city i'm getting ready for kansas city i mean the, the guy can like be be warm and personable in his in the privacy of his home and in his office of course um but i i uh, you'll, you'll love this uh when when brady won his first super bowl uh, in 2001, Belichick's daughter was 17, and she just had the biggest crush in the world on Tom Brady. You know, just like every other uh, teenager who followed who followed pro football, and uh, Belichick was not happy about that. Uh, but so, uh, long story short here, or longer long story long, uh, I think Belichick is gone. I really do. And uh, I, I, I hope that he and Kraft can come to, you know, some agreement again of going out with some dignity and maybe a little celebration of what Belichick has done. But uh, do you, Matt, do you consider Belichick to be the greatest coach in NFL history? Well, silence is deafening. Hey, we're going to be right back. This is Big Noon Sports. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and 
and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. What's holding Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny this afternoon, the high today around 60. Fair tonight, the low 39. Tomorrow and Friday, partly to mostly sunny both days. Highs between 58 and 61. And for Saturday, increasingly cloudy with a high at 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Presented in part by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker, Advantage Realty Group. Uh, joining us now is Kerry Clark, who's been my partner on Saturdays on the postgame show on Town Square Media outlets, such as uh, 95.3 The Bear, this station, Tide 100.9 and 1230 WTBC. Kerry, how does this uh, sunny Wednesday afternoon find you? Busy, busy, busy. So much sports news today. Uh, give me your top three. Which, which, what? Because you post a lot on our media site, so Tide100.9.com. What have you got cooking? Okay. Well, number one would be the USA Today article alleging that Bruce Pearl has been cheating again. Number two would be Dallas Turner becoming a consensus All-American, though not unanimous. Still, consensus is an honor. And number three would be one of our local high schools, uh, Hillcrest, moving up to 7A next year. Really? Huh. In that That's same all... deadly region three with Thompson and Tuscaloosa County and Spain yeah. Park and Hoover and, you know, Trustful. You know, yeah. And rough Hoover's region. coach Walter just resigned. Yeah, that was probably number four. Oh, that was <laughs> I, a number four story. I, I, well, it was, a, it was a, a dual article about him and the Brookwood coach resigning. I want to uh, take number two or three. I guess you said one, USA Today. Article that alleges that Auburn had set up cameras to roll while other teams were practicing in Neville Arena. And first thing kind of surprises me and always makes me feel a little bit what is they said this has happened in 2017 and 2018. So I always wonder, Kerry, why does it take you so long to come forward with this? But there are holes in this story that don't uh, exactly say this happened. Because uh, nobody will stand up and point, point their finger. But take it from there. What's going on? I think that it's true because in his first season here uh, at Alabama, Nate Oates, that was 2019 and 2020 season, uh, allegedly, a very good source of mine, says that he found out they were doing the same to him during their walkthrough at Neville Arena and started doing his walkthroughs in subsequent years at a local hotel in Auburn where the team was staying because he doesn't trust Bruce either. Now, do I have substantial proof of that? No, but it's from a very good source. Well, and there's one other that's included in this article that one team suspected this, so they planted a sign, okay? And then... It was used, Auburn knew it the next day, according to this report, 
And that confirmed that they knew that they were doing something in their practices the day or the night before. Oh, I, you know, you can't put it past them. It's How ironic is it that Alabama's biggest rival in, in basketball and football is being accused of this on the heels of their next football game against the other program that's being accused of it, which is Michigan? Uh, we're just uh, stealing opponent like you. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. Uh, I, I, I want to move to another story sure. that uh, you just mentioned, and that's Dallas Turner. What in your mind has been the biggest difference between Dallas Turner last year and Dallas Turner this year? And uh, can you draw any comparisons to Will Anderson, who is just absolutely tearing up the NFL in his rookie season? I don't particularly compare him to Will Anderson per se, uh, because Will Anderson, to me, was right up there with Derek Thomas, Lars. And I know that's high praise. And as good as I think that Dallas Turner is, I'd probably compare him more to a collegiate Cornelius Bennett, which is also high praise. But Biscuit and uh, Derek were, you know, in two different realms there. So, uh, yeah, but as far as the biggest difference, I think the presence of Kevin Steele, who's been a roving defensive coordinator and able to help in various position groups, I think that's been a huge, huge part of the success of Dallas Turner because I believe that Kevin Steele, during practice sessions and meetings, has been able to impart some new tricks to Dallas as far as uh, moves to get around opposing offensive tackles. Just a theory, but it's uh, fact-based. Yeah, but... uh... I didn't look into that as far as sporting news was concerned, but I'm assuming others like Kool-Aid were uh, included there. It was the same six people that made the AP, okay. uh, just indifferent. You know, the, there were no third teamers here. They were all first and second team. Uh, but it was the same six kids that made it for AP. Uh, and, go ahead, Lars. Yes, all right. Um We've been talking a little bit uh, last hour. We talked a little bit about Julian Sand and how he is going to be on campus here uh, very shortly. Saturday. Yeah, so very shortly. Uh, what are you hearing about him? Uh, in what are you hearing about what the quarterback room will look like next year? And that's sort of a back-ended way to ask you uh, which of the quarterbacks do you think, if any, will be entering the transfer portal? You know, we're all theorizing about that right now, Lars, and, and we're all throwing out guesses and just seeing what sticks to the wall and to answer your first, the, the part A of your question, everything that I hear and what little I see on video, you know, <laughs> you hate to put it on a kid to compare him to Bryce Young, but everybody feels like that Julian Sayan is the same type of quarterback as Bryce Young. Yes, that's very high praise, but the tape on him backs it up. And I just feel like, that's the type of player he's going to be here. Now, if you'll recall, uh, both of you, a few years ago, everyone was convinced that Bryce Young was going to walk onto campus and take the job from Mac Jones. Well, it didn't work that way. So with all my sources right now telling me that Jalen Milrow plans to return next year and not declare for this year's draft, 
people need to understand that, yeah, Julian Sayan might elevate himself to the number two role next year, and I won't be shocked if he does. But at the same time, nobody in their right mind ought to be expecting this kid to come in here and start next year at quarterback for Alabama. Because the starter is now listed as uh, the top Heisman contender next year, that being Jalen Milrow. Now, regarding the portal question, well, I think it's very fair to say that Eli Holstein will hit the portal. Uh, I hate to use the word misevaluation, but I really don't think he's an Alabama-type level quarterback. I think he'll be out of here. Uh, The question, of course, is what's going to happen with Ty Simpson? And none of us know right now. I understand his father, you know, who's the head coach at UT Martin, wants him to stay here and further develop and maybe be a late bloomer like Mac Jones was here. There are a lot of similarities in their styles as well. Uh, But right now, you know, with these kids these days, it's all about playing time. And I just don't know what he's going to do. The fact that he's not in the portal right now is a good sign. But then again, Alabama's players have until seven days following whatever the final game is, be that January 1 or January 8. They have until seven days after that final game has been played to get into the portal. So no decisions really have been made. I, I just, you know, right now, the only one I feel comfortable saying will leave Lars is Holstein. The others are all up in the air. What do you hear on the latest as far as Jace McClellan is concerned? <clears throat> I would fully expect him to be 100% when it comes around to Michigan. Uh, I think he'll play. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, the 100% part remains to be seen. But even a 90%, Jace McClellan is still a pretty good running back. You're the leading rusher on the number four seeded team in the country. Uh, you're doing something right. So I, my gut feeling is that he will play. Uh, I don't know if he'll carry the load he was carrying before the entry, but I certainly think he'll be part of that game plan. Yes, Matt, I agree with that. What is your assessment of um – of Justice Haynes and him not getting a lot of carries, I know he does play on special teams. It really hurt him that he got hurt, uh, injured, by the way, prior to the second uh, scrimmage in August. He had a chance. He had a very good first scrimmage, and he had a chance during that second scrimmage to, you know, cement a place in the rotation, and he was unable to participate. And therefore, he fell behind a little bit, and the thing is, with, with true freshmen, running back is not, a, is not the easiest position to get on the field because most true freshmen, and this goes back to even before Derrick Henry, heck, this probably goes back to Bobby Humphrey, most true freshmen are not called upon when they were in high school to do a lot of pass blocking. Uh, they're just not part of the blitz pickup package. So I don't know that that's the deal with Justice Haynes, but what I do know is that the people that are playing ahead of him are more experienced, and Saban leans on veterans. I mean, gosh, Roy Dill and Jace have both been here four years, and even though Jam Miller is only in year two with the program, he he still you know had another full year of practice and weight room and all that experience, and he get he got into some games last year, and he just he knew the deal more than Justice. It's hard to play four running backs. You know, when, when there's only one at a time on the field. 
So, you know, this ain't the wishbone now. If we were in the wishbone, Matt, like in our day, yeah, he'd be he'd be getting playing time every week. We both know that, but we're not. And that's the thing. It's just it's a numbers game. And I I know that they're striving on a daily basis in meetings and all that, film sessions, to let him know that he's a big part of the plan next year and to not get into the portal. Uh, it'll 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 break my heart a little bit if he does portal after the season. I, right now, I don't think he will. But I mean, you have to you have to wonder though. Today is Jalen Milrow's twenty first birthday, and uh, on Saturday he's going to graduate with uh, major uh, while majoring in um, with majors, excuse me, in business administration and a minor in entrepreneurship this season what has impressed you most about Jalen and let's say away from the field oh away from the field the thing that impresses me the most is that when we conduct our weekly player interview sessions and and really in, in a lot of cases with him it's twice a week because of game day What's impressed me about him away from the field is his humility and his faith. Uh, he constantly mentions his faith in Jesus, which is something I share with him. And he constantly talks about how he needs to get better and how it's about the team and not about him. And, and he says it with a tone of sincerity. I've been around 65 plus years and I can usually detect BS regardless of the age group of the person that's speaking. And I don't detect BS in, in my humility uh, theory about Jalen Milrow. That's what impresses me most about him, Morris. Uh, good one. Good one. Let's take a break, and Kerry Clark will continue with us on Big Noon Sports. It's time to ring in the new year right. Bama, a winner over the Georgia Bulls. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 on New Year's Day on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. The Elvis Presley Tribute Band is coming to Tuscaloosa. The Elvis Christmas Party is this Friday night, 7 o'clock, Druid City Music Hall. Great venue. Go to druidcitymusichall.com and get your tickets now. You can also go to Ticketmaster. And you can get them at the door, but I would suggest that you go now to druidcitymusichall.com. Purchase your tickets so that you don't have a blue Christmas. Carrie Clark, who is a digital manager for Tide 100.9, is joining us. I want to dance just a little outside the Alabama football and basketball but just a little bit because Lars and I were talking about Bill Belichick and the potential that uh, he is uh, coaching his last game for the Patriots. Uh, your thoughts on him in general, and do you think he'll be coaching next year at New England? He's a great coach, but no, I don't think he'll be at New England next year. 
I don't think Kraft's had enough. Have you had enough? I'm not a Patriot fan, so I really don't care. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I, I'm with you. Um, I do want to stick with your career, though. Uh, you, you mentioned that uh, you know you have a pretty good uh, BS detector when it comes to players. Who's your favorite player? Or maybe a list of maybe three that you have covered at the University of Alabama? Ooh, man, that's a tough question. It's a good one, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should have had some time to do some research. Oh, gosh, favorite player ever um, that I covered. Or just maybe not favorite, but uh, just one that, that that just leaps out at you right away. As far you as know, like, like it, as far as yeah, if I, if I was forced to tell, ask, uh, uh, most enjoyable guy you've been around, University of Alabama, boom, who do you think of? Well, Milrow is one of them. He's top three. Uh, really? Yeah, because of his cool. personality. Yeah, he's just so. And then I had a chance to take a picture of him and my wife uh, last week at the. Uh, Birmingham Monday Morning Quarterback Club meeting at the club, and they honored him as uh, the Iron Bowl MVP for Alabama, and he was there along with Chris Braswell, who was honored as Lineman of the Year for the league. And I was like, Jalen was just so kind to, to let my wife take a picture with him, and uh, that really stood out to me how how nice he was to my wife. Uh, we could go tonight, actually, but uh, getting back to the uh, wow, let's see, he's in the top three. Uh, let me think. Tua was always good. He was always good. Uh, he was he was Tua Tonglavoa was always good with the media and like they used to have a deal, Matt and Laura's on on picture day where you could interview individuals, even sometimes one on one or in a small group. They didn't do that this past year, but we did it. We interview them on the field at Bryant Denny, and I always remember how good Tua was in, in those kind of sessions. He was generous with his time, and the media relations people literally had to had to pull him away um i'm trying to think of another one that would that would stand out um javi arenas was a great one yeah he was really that's a good call he was a buoyant (laughs) he was uh, he was outgoing man he was uh if you had a question he was going to give you a straight answer and and that is true to this day by the way i ran into him at an event about a year ago and he's still the same way and uh, but Javi Javi was a good one too. There have been so many. I mean, I was unfortunately not part of the media during the career of David Palmer. He was probably my favorite one ever to watch play. But I understand that he was as elusive on interviews as he was on the football field. They'd go over to Bryant Hall, and, and he was supposed to be waiting on them, and he'd sneak out the back or whatever. I've heard that from several media members. <laughs> I never got a chance to interview David in person, but I wish I had. Uh, you know who uh, comes to mind because he was just funny and always engaging was Roger Schultz, but you have to go back a while for yeah, that. Yeah, he was a quote meister now. Yeah. And I yeah. actually was he, not part of the media when he played either. Well, but he knew the value of giving you 15 and 20 seconds solid long enough to get the Chiron up and move on, but he then he had substance and humor involved in it too. And he later was, was a radio talk show host, so it paid off for him. Yeah, and I did several shows with him and, and Terry Henley and... They were. You imagine getting those two together in a studio. Roger and Hee Haw. 
Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I, I, I was gonna say, mine hands down was uh, Barrett Jones. Oh, he was and, good. And uh, so I, to this day, I have a, a, a really close, good relationship with Barrett. Um, and it, so, kind of a follow up to that question: What's been your favorite team to cover? Because uh, even though uh, I'm not, I've never been a, a beat reporter but I've been around the Alabama program a long time. This absolutely is my favorite Nick Saban team because of everything they've been through. And, uh, you know, against Stole Miss, LSU, we thought, you know, they could win by 30 or they could lose by 30. <laughs> and, and, and now where they are is absolutely uh, phenomenal to me. I guess my favorite one to cover in the modern era would have been the 09 team that won Saban's first Alabama national championship because they were so businesslike in how they approached everything, but they were also really – and Barry Jones was part of that team, of course. But uh, they were just they were just fun. Um, but they were serious, and they, they were on a mission, and you could tell it after that tough loss in 08 to Tebow in Florida in the ACC championship game. You could tell that 09 team was on a mission. And I'll never forget the aftermath and the locker room interviews and all that when they did beat the Tebow in Atlanta uh, in December of 09 and went on to win the national championship. That was a – there have been a lot of special teams. Uh, as someone who's followed Alabama since the 70s, uh, early 70s there have been a lot of special teams in that stretch but uh, 09 was right up there with with the best of them you know not long ago i had a long chat with greg mcelroy about that 09 team and he said far and away the biggest most important victory was the sec championship game and not necessarily not even the national championship game because florida and I, I was not there. I, I was not uh, in the locker room like you were after the game. But, but according to Greg, absolutely, that was the key moment of the season. It was huge, and it, it showed the nation and the world, for that matter, because of the Internet, that the program had officially been turned around. I think yeah. Florida was the final stepping stone to, to have to prove that. Um, 100%. Hey, before we let you go, you know our good friend Ira, who listens on a very, very regular basis. When we were talking about the quarterback room in Alabama, wanted to know what you knew about Dylan Lonergan. Uh, the staff, Lonergan. yeah, Dylan Lonergan, the proud of uh, Snellville, Georgia. The staff really likes him, and uh, he's got a very strong arm. Uh, he's, he went over and practiced one day with the baseball team in the fall and, and threw about 98, 99 with a fastball. So he's got a very strong right arm. He's pretty accurate. He's uh, very knowledgeable. They just needed, they felt they needed to redshirt him this year. And uh, since I know Ira is listening, let me throw one more thing out there for him, Matt, regarding quarterbacks. Uh, tonight will be not only the unveiling of the Alabama football schedule for next year, but tonight will also be the unveiling of the SEC storied show about Bart Starr, America's quarterback. And I'm telling you this because one of my best friends in the world, Randy Walls, is celebrating a birthday today. And Randy's father, Clay Walls, was Bart Starr's backup at Alabama 
uh, under Coach Ears Whitworth, and Bart stayed hurdle all of the time. So Clay played a lot of quarterback during those few years. So uh, happy birthday, Randy and, and Ira. Glad you're listening, and I would advise you to watch that Bart Star show tonight, or at least DVR it. Speaking of Bart Star, got a great story about him and Vince Lombardi when we get back. But first, let's say goodbye to Kerry Clark. Thank him for his time, Kerry. We'll do this again soon. <clears throat> Enjoyed seeing you at the Christmas party Monday night. Thank you for having me, and a good time was had by all. Thank you, Kerry. Back ah, with Big Noon Sports. By, by the way, what a, yep. what a great setup, because you and I have just been talking <laughs> via text that the final segment was going to be about Bart Starr, then you have a great story. Yep. Well, Kerry knows the drill really well. Back with Big Noon Sports. Attention Hide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny this afternoon, the high today around 60, fair tonight, the low 39. Tomorrow and Friday, partly to mostly sunny both days, highs between 58 and 61. And for Saturday, increasingly cloudy with a high at 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big News Sports. Brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker. And uh, we uh, welcome you back for the final segment here on a Wednesday. <clears throat> and uh, I guess I've been trying trying to get to this story for a little while, but very much enjoyed our time with Kerry Clark. But a, a little while ago, Lars uh, was talking about relationship between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, which... Uh, was uh, trying, to say the very least. It reminded me of a story that my childhood hero told me. That's Bart Starr. When he first got to Green Bay and it was established that he was going to be the quarterback, uh, Lombardi told him, he said, this is your team. Lead them. And so he went out there and they were having a practice and Starr did something wrong, which was a rarity. And Lombardi just jumped his case right between the plays and, you know, got onto him. And so they finished practice, and then Starr went to Lombardi and asked him if he could have a word, and Vince said, of course. And he said, uh, man, I really didn't appreciate you jumping on me like that. And Lombardi said, well, I kind of do that for a, a reason to let everybody know that you're no more special than anybody else is. And we've heard this a, a lot. We just talked about it. And Bart just very succinctly said, Vince, that's not the way I operate. He said, you want me to lead this team, you need to let me lead it by example. Lombardi never got on to star again. And, of course, Bart Starr went on to win, I think, three NFL championships and then two Super Bowl championships. So it all comes down to the different character, the different people that you're working with. Vince knew, respected Bart. Bart knew, respected Vince. They came to a quick meeting of the minds, and what did they do? They went out there and kicked butt for, well, all, all through the 60s. Let's just put it that way. So I thought that was a very cool story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I met Bart Starr several times just randomly in the Birmingham airport. 
And uh, the first time I uh, saw him, I went up and introduced myself and, you know, uh, just he was my, my one of my dad's favorite players. And um, we, we had a, a brief interaction and, and then uh, there were maybe four or five other times that, again, just randomly uh, saw each other in, uh, in the BHM. And uh, toward the end of his life, um, uh, the Bleacher Report editor asked me, you know, hey, what's a good way to, what's a unique way to like cover the Super Bowl? And then I just had, I think, small kids at the time. And, and uh, I was like, well, what if I watch a Super Bowl with Bart Starr? And I ended up getting in touch with uh, Bart's wife, and you know, she, she, Bart just wasn't in uh, any kind of physical shape to do anything like that. And but, but she couldn't have been more, more gracious. But, but Matt, uh, what were your personal interactions with Bart Starr uh, over the years? Well, the first time I interviewed him, it was here in Birmingham when I was at Channel Thirteen. And he was the speaker for the Monday Morning Quarterback Club. Um, you know, it's tradition that the TV guys would all get a couple of minutes with the guest speaker, and that's what happened. And uh, I, I felt it, uh, uh, I wanted to tell him how much he meant to me growing up and how my father is the one that turned me on to the Packers, saying their quarterback went to Alabama and was from Montgomery. And so um, I told him that very quickly. And I said, if you're all right, Mr. Stark, could I please, you know, ask you a few questions? And he said, only if you call me Bart. He said, <laughs> Matt, my name is Bart. And then the fact that he called, he said that, which I thought that was very humble. And then he called me by name, uh, which meant, you know, he watched me on television. How else would he know? But um, then I got flattered twice there, and I appreciated it. And, and by the way, uh, Cherry Star was... Uh, absolutely a great quarterback's first mate or how you would he she just played that role and was wonderful and i got to run into her uh, a few times and i just what a sweet woman uh the stars were just class people from every possible aspect so there you got that yeah um Absolutely, and uh, I, I wish I could have uh, spent more time with him. Uh, a little bit of breaking news. Uh, it just came out uh, about two hours ago, so maybe some of our listeners have heard this, but the NFL has announced where the next four Super Bowls are going to be played, and it certainly sounds like the days of uh, Super Bowls in uh, cold weather cities like uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and New York, New York, might be over. Uh, so uh, in 2024, uh, as we know, February 11th, 2024, it's going to be played at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. 2025, it's going to be at the Superdome in New Orleans. 2026 is going to be at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California, uh, which is a really beautiful stadium. And 2027, going back to the place of maybe my greatest heartache, uh, Sophie Stadium in uh, or SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Does any does, any of those surprise you? I, it just again, it seems like the NFL is just they're done with cold weather places even if it's a dome 
they're done holding Super Bowls uh, in February where there's potential for bad weather. You know, one thing that just continues to jump out at me, how big a player Las Vegas has become just over the past few years. Uh, with hockey, now they've got the A's. Um, they're hosting huge events like this. Um, of course, Vegas has grown in the last 15 years to where it's, what, a million, five, two million? One of the top ten largest cities in America? It's something like that. But uh, All right, uh, Lars, uh, many thanks to Mike Rodak and to Kerry Clark, who was just on with us for about half an hour. That worked out really, really well. And with a good Lord willing, we will do this again in 22 hours. Y'all have a great Wednesday afternoon.